In this report, let's say you've been driving a manual transmission somewhat happily for the past, I don't know, three decades. And then you shift over into a DCT, a dual clutch transmission. Pretty different scenario. It's automated. It functions differently. What sort of adaptation are you going to have to muster up because things are different? And exactly what should you expect? Logan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap. <laughs> but only in Australia. Sorry about that, international dude. For you Australian car buyers though, website, card, maybe. Formalities done. Let us get into this question. Real car buyers, real questions. It's almost like... Fake breasts of Beverly Hills, isn't it? Only with substantially more credibility and a lot less silicon. So here we go. James Stanley emails me and he says, <coughs> I've recently moved to a seven-speed dual-clutch transmission after driving manuals for the past 30 years. In sport mode, the downshifts feel about right, but the revs required for an upshift are a bit of overkill for the school run. Yeah. Sport mode school run. It's almost child abuse in the 21st century, isn't it? In comfort mode, it's the opposite in that it feels like it doesn't gear down enough and relies too much on the brakes. I feel like I need to gear down using the paddle shifters, but not sure if this puts undue strain on the engine slash clutch and whether it might be a better trade-off to let the DCT do its thing at the expense of the brakes. So, thanks for that question, James. And I Mate, I get it, because so many people move from a conventional transmission like an epicyclic automatic or a manual, and then they get in a DCT, and although if you move from an auto to a DCT, they're both automated, they definitely feel different. Now, the strength of a DCT is sport mode, like for performance driving, they're pretty good, okay? And they also save you fuel compared with an epicyclic auto because there's no uh, torque converter that soaks up a lot of energy and also gives you a bit more low-speed normal driving refinement, which is one of the trade-offs, right? A DCT is going to feel less refined in traffic every time because it's got no torque converter down there sort of soaking up those transmission harshness effects, all right? If you change from a manual to a DCT after such a long period of time, obviously some adaptation is going to be required, right? And before we kick off on exactly what to expect there, I'd suggest that there is a, a fundamental thing that James is perhaps overlooking with real driving, okay? And that is brakes for slowing the car, powertrain for getting it going and balancing it up mid-corner and things of that nature. Even on a track, right, the transmission does not really slow the car down. All you do is you use the brakes a lot harder and a lot later in the context of bends to slow the car down on a track, but you just get the car into gear at higher revs so that the transmission can do its thing and when you can get back on the gas, you can be applying more like peak power. Like That's just what the brakes do even on a track, right? So if you are relying on the transmission to slow the car down, then that just wears things out earlier, okay? 
It just does. It does on a track and it does on the road. Brakes for slowing down, transmission for going, okay? And if you're performance driving, you just downshift earlier so that you can go harder earlier on in the process, all right? But this whole false economy of pretending that you're a truck with exhaust brakes or something and actually using the transmission to slow down, that's nuts. I'd suggest you can use the transmission to slow down if you're kind of coasting to a red light, right? Maybe it makes sense there just gently to downshift and let the whole process wind itself down. There's not very much mechanical wear if you do that. But if you are using the transmission aggressively to provide braking type effort, you're going to wear something out early. That's just how this rolls, okay? So I'd be changing my driving so that the brakes were predominantly for slowing the car down and the powertrain was predominantly for turning and burning, getting going, okay? So the thing about DCTs is that nobody from the R&D centre went and had a meeting with James and said, dude, let's get a map of exactly how you drive yo manual so that we can program the DCT to do exactly that. There's a number of different programs. You've got sport mode and eco mode and comfort mode and like that, okay? And all they do is they just change the footprint of the upshifts and downshifts. Typically, in sport mode, lower gears get held for longer when you're accelerating, so upshifts occur higher in the rev range and downshifts occur earlier as well, okay? So that you can have a little bit more power a little bit earlier on in the process. So let's just say that you're in sport mode, you're accelerating away from some bend, you'll be hanging on to third gear for longer than you would in eco mode or comfort mode, right? And in eco mode, it's the opposite, right? You just get upshifts earlier because most people driving manuals hang on to lower gears too long for ultimate economy. That's just, you know, a generalisation about driving behaviour with manual transmissions out there in public. So here's the thing, I'd be accommodating the behaviour of the DCT in one of those modes and I wouldn't obsess about it. It's like if you're taking the kids to school, do you really care exactly where the shifts are? Probably not. If it's a reasonably refined process, I'd just leave it in comfort mode, frankly, for taking the kids to school, and I'd put it in sport mode for a bit of fun driving, you know, if you've got access to a piece of bendy road that you really enjoy driving along and you're by yourself and there's not much traffic and you want to, you know, have a bit of a spirited go without living life on the ragged edge and putting yourself and everyone else at risk, then yeah, dude, go for it in sport mode and use the paddles and just go nuts, blow out a few cobwebs, right? So safely. The paddles. I don't think you're going to wear anything out or put undue strain on the engine or the transmission by using the paddles because there are usually interlocks in the process that prevent, for example, second gear being selected when you're already in too high a rev band in third and that'll prevent you over revving the engine, right? And there's a lot of clever stuff built into the gear changes of all automatic transmissions when you manualize them these days because if you tell the transmission, you're in third, right? You tell the transmission you want second, then if it's okay, according to the, the rules that are written into the software, to downshift at those revs and in those conditions, that speed, whatever, then 
the transmission's going to enact the switch, but during the shift, right, to from third to second, there's going to be a moment, even if you've got your foot buried on the throttle for whatever reason, you know, there's going to be an electronic reduction in throttle input momentarily just so that there's not too much shock loading in the gear change. So there's essentially just a lot of clever shit going on in the background with all of these automated or even manualized gear changes in modern transmissions. They don't just do it on the fly. There's a lot of software control that you may be unaware of because the throttling back for the shift might only occur for a tenth of a second, but it's enough to take the real thump out of the change and the mechanical wear type implications of all of that. Now, the other thing about dual clutch transmissions that I'd have to say is that they are really good to drive in that spirited way, but they do let the team down ever so slightly when you're just taking the kids to school or going to the shops, right? Because Dual clutch transmissions have to predict the future. They have to go, they've got two gear trains, right? Let's say you've got a seven speed. You will have one, three, five, and seven over on this side, and you'll have two, four, six over on the other side. And if you're in third, for example, over here, you're in three, the transmission's got an option about which gear to have pre-selected on this other side. It can have two or four, right? And if the transmission predicts the future and says, you know what, revs are increasing, throttle position is high, speed is increasing, we're going to need four next. We're in three, we're going to need four. So it'll pre-select four. And then when you get to an appropriate sort of speed, throttle and rev position to effect the shift, it's just going to go boom. And you're going to be over here on this other pre-selected gear train, right? And if you're under brakes and revs are falling, you're still in third, right? The opposite scenario. If you're clearly slowing down, this can be on a racetrack, it can be on a you know nice, tidy bit of windy road. Every indication that the transmission control ECU gets is that second gear is going to be the next run one required. So it's going to gear up, literally gear up by pre-selecting two and then when the revs fall to an appropriate amount and, you know, the speed is right, it'll just go boom, second gear, right? And that's what makes them so powerful for performance driving because in performance driving, the future is really clear cut usually. But in traffic and just dicking around on the road generally with, you know, people who do unpredictable things and traffic that behaves in unpredictable ways the transmission can get itself fooled, right? Because the trend might be you're in third, you're about to need fourth because every indication is... And that means over on this side, the side that's not getting used at the moment, fourth gear will be pre-selected. But then just at the last minute, some dickhead might cut you off. You've got to get on the brakes and slow down and really need second gear quite quickly to do whatever. And you'll still be in fourth over here. And it will take the transmission a little bit of time, even if you manually click it back to second on the paddles. It'll take time for the computer to get its shit together and deselect the pre-selection of fourth and select second so that the shift that you've just commanded will occur, right? And there's really no getting around that. That's just a strength and weakness kind of thing. But I'd suggest that 
you can accommodate most of the things that dual clutch transmissions do. It's just going to feel different than the past 30 years of you telling the car, the powertrain, exactly what to do, right? And that is going to be a process in part of just letting go. But regardless of what kind of transmission you've got, brakes are always for slowing down, even in the gentlest sort of driving scenario or in the most high-pressure driving scenario. Even on a racetrack, brakes are for slowing down and powertrains are for going and balancing the car up. And there is a category of manual driver who uses the brakes to slow down just a little bit too much, and that is very hard work for the transmission to accommodate over tens of thousands of kilometres, and it's going to mean premature failure of some components that are going to require expensive repairs. So except for performance driving, I'd really just let any automated transmission do its own thing. And I guess there's a few caveats on that. With DCTs, one of the biggest drawbacks is crawling along in traffic. Now, if you're nose up, okay, and it's a steep hill and the traffic is crawling, I wouldn't be inching along at walking pace because there's no torque converter to absorb that. There's actually a clutch, and it can be dry or wet, but that clutch is not going to enjoy transmitting a lot of torque over a period of time and not being completely engaged, okay? So in that case, I would treat it just like a manual. I'd wait for the traffic to move forward and I'd take off somewhat decisively without being a peanut, but I'd just take off decisively even if it moves uh, only five or six car lengths and then you stop again. Instead of just inching forward, I'd do decisive takeoff and stop. And the other thing is with towing, right? With towing, it might be a good idea to knock it back out of overdrive, so keep it in sixth or maybe even fifth when you're just going up a sort of shallow, gentle hill because obviously when you've got a heavy load behind you, this is not like for, you know, 400 kilos of crap to the tip. This is like for a two-ton camper trailer. When you're going up a gentle hill, you can put a lot more stress on the powertrain if you're in too high a gear. So for this reason, I'd be knocking it back so that I was in somewhat higher revs and you will pay a penalty in fuel for doing that, but the powertrain will thank you at 120 or 130,000 kilometres. But to James, I'd say, look, it's not a disaster. You have to change your mindset. Just let go of some of that control, dude, and only get back to manually changing gear when you're having a red hot go and, you know, you're just having a bit of fun. After that, when you're just taking the kids to school, let the transmission do the thinking and just argue with them and the missus like the rest of us on the way to school, dude. Like, come on, otherwise you're letting the team down.